Welcome, FCS Fans Nation, to a special Week 2 Big Sky Edition podcast. My name's Kyler. I'll be your host today. Man, I am super excited for tonight, mainly because I don't have to deal with Lawrence or off the podcast tonight. They're focusing on, you know, life and family. But with me, I have actually three other guests, um, and I'm pretty excited. They're all Big Sky people. So we have Aaron Routh. Aaron, do you want to just introduce yourself, talk about you know, which big top, big sky team you represent and what do you actually do for schools? Yeah. So my name is Aaron Roth. As you said, um, I'm with Northern Colorado. I'm actually the color analyst for Northern Colorado on the radio on 1310 KFKA here. I'm also the voice of the big sky champion women's basketball team. So it's a lot of fun. I get to travel with the team, hang out with the guys and, uh, you know, just get to know them more than just football players, but as, as people too. So yeah, it's been a lot of fun. I'm going in my third season on the air for football and next year will be my second season for basketball. So a lot of fun. That's awesome. Now you're also an owner at Overtime Sportsnet. Is that, is that true? That is correct. Overtime Sportsnet is a company that I own and it, I do, all I do is high school sports with that. Um, I had an opportunity a couple of years ago to start this up. I do. Uh, I have the privilege. I, I don't need the money because I have a pretty good paying main job besides sports broadcasting. So what I do is any money I collect from overtime sports, I donate to the high school, to the booster clubs so that they can update their equipment, update their uh, whatever they need for their sports for the season. That's actually really cool. So just for our listeners, because, you know, we actually get around like a thousand listeners of podcasts and we just started how can you know our listeners find Overtime Sportsnet just to check it out? Like, are you on Facebook? What are you on? Yep. So we're on Facebook. So it's the you know the Facebook backslash Overtime Sportsnet, and we've tried something new this last year and and this season, and we are doing all of our games live right on Facebook, and so we do live video and we go live. I, I really it's kind of cool. I, you know I'm normally sit up in the booth it's really neat we do live from the field for football so i'm right there on the sideline getting shots from the field commentating right there on the field so it's a lot of fun that's awesome yeah i'll have to check it out um and any of you colorado listeners who you know have kids in high school football yeah go give um overtime sports net a follow and and um go follow aaron rath also thank you we have rory with um also known as bear tycoon from the montana mint i believe so why don't you introduce yourself, give a quick plug on, you know, what exactly is the Montana Mint for some of our listeners and what do you actually do with them? Hey, yeah, thanks for having me. Um, Montana Mint, you know, we obviously are focusing on the two Montana schools, the Grizz and the Bobcats. We have a staff of seven to eight writers um, for our sports coverage that look at everything going on in the Big Sky Conference, a lot of high school football stuff. Uh I'm a, I'm a big Grizz fan um, and help out on all of this. I'm a, a, the editor of the Mint overall, but, um, you know, we have a couple podcasts going on sports. We've got politics podcast, but we also have some newsletters. So anyone in the big sky that is looking for kind of a, a different take on, on the big sky, um, definitely check us out. We're on Facebook, Twitter, just search Montana Mint. Perfect. That seems easy enough. Um, if you guys can't spell mint, well, I don't know how to help you guys, because that's, you know, go back to college. Um, and then finally, we have one of our friends, um, Vandal alumni, 
Chris Hammond. He's kind of a fanatic. Um, he actually is, he does one of my favorite podcasts for the FCS level and it's Tubbs at the club. Um, Chris, why don't you tell us big sky fans what exactly Tubbs at the club is? Cause from that name, some people are probably really confused and how can we find it? And, um, how can we find you on social media to interact? Yeah. So I'm part of a website called Tubbs at the club.com, um, which was started by a journalist major named Sean Kramer back in like 2012, I want to say. And, you know, since then we've added a little bit, and I guess I'm kind of the, the head podcast person right now. And, uh, yeah, you can find us on Twitter. You can find us, uh, Instagram, Facebook, obviously at www.tubsattheclub.com. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's a lot of fun and, uh, I'll give the shout out. The, uh, the thing that actually gave us the go ironically was I showed the head editor, um, Sean, a couple episodes of the Montana mint podcast from last year. And that's what he was like, let's, let's try to do that. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. And I mean, I'm sure we can also put the Montana mint on our recommended site. So if you go to fcsfansnation.com, you go to the podcast section, we actually have a, a link for Tubbs at the Club. You just click their picture, and it's um, access to all you know their Idaho Vandal podcast. I'm sure we do something like that with Montana Mint because I've, I've given them a couple listens, and, and it's a good show as well. So, yeah, those are, those are our guest hosts today. I'm pretty excited. Um, but, man, let's just dive into week one if you guys are ready. Yeah, I'm ready. Absolutely. Perfect. So, man, the big sky, in my opinion, looks super impressive in week one. And, I mean, I know it's just week one. It's a super long season. So, tons of things can change. But, in my honest opinion, the big sky after week one looked like the strongest conference in the FCS, followed by the CAA and then the Missouri Valley, who seemed to have kind of a down week one. Again, it's just one week one, so let's not get our hopes up. But it at least makes me super excited for the season. So what we're going to talk about is we're just going to kind of break down all the games that happened week one, you know, give some quick insight on what you guys um, saw, what do you like, what do you dislike. Um, and then after that, we'll, we'll do some other fun things on this podcast. But So the very first game that happened week one was the Co-Big Sky Champion and number eight Weber State took on Pac-12 Utah. Um, the game ended 41 to 10. I want to know what's your guys' thoughts on Weber. Cause I mean, in all the stats rankings, they were pretty high on Weber. So Rory, Chris, Aaron, any of you guys want to start and kind of give us your thoughts? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take the lead on this one. Cause I actually kind of watched it a little bit, um, flipping back between that and the, the Montana state game. Um, cause being out here, we get a lot of pac 12. So I kind of wanted to watch Utah and obviously Idaho being new to the big sky. I'm trying to learn as much as possible about everybody. Um, and I, I was actually really impressed with Weber state. I know the scoreline doesn't show it with the 41, 10 loss, but I mean, midway through the third quarter, that was a, still a two possession game. And I mean, from everything I saw, they, they had the horses and I think it was just more of a case of the old FBS versus FCS strategy that, you know, the, the scholarships just weren't there. And then at the end, I think that's kind of what made the score look that bad was I think if Weber state had equal scholarships, to Utah, they could have hung in there till the very end, kept it close and maybe won it. But I think at the end there, you just saw the, the scholarship count differential. Right. Oh, there's always going to be a depth, you know, um, whenever you're playing, especially a PAC 12 school versus, 
versus an FCS. Um, that depth is always going to be a problem. Um, Rory or Chris, do you guys have any insights? Yeah, I, I mean, kind from of the Montana Mint's perspective, we've been ranking Weber State as a yeah, top three or four team in the big sky all year, and I don't think anything from this weekend's game, or I guess this past Thursday game, changes that. Like, when you're playing a team like Utah, Utah's ranked 24 in the Sagarin ratings. They're a tough school. This is a type of score that a good FCS school should have against them. You know, 41 to 10, that's not great, but uh, they were in the game early and just kind of got away from them. But that's a respectable outcome, from my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't see the scores being an, an issue at all. Um, Aaron, what, yeah, what are your thoughts? You know, I, I agree. The score isn't an issue. The only thing that that I that I throw out there is I would have thought that their offensive stats would have been a little bit better. I mean, Utah's while they're a, an FBS school, they're they're not like you know a top tier Power Five school. They're a middle of the road Pac twelve school. You know, I, I I was just hoping for Weber State to to show up offensively a little bit more, have a have a few better a few better stats out there. They started off fast, and it looked like they were ready to go. You know, come out and and lead ten seven after one, but then the last three quarters they. They just kind of fell apart, and you know I was kind of hoping to for a better showing. I, I'm not too worried about them, um, how they're going to play in the future. I think that this weekend's game at Cal Poly is going to show a lot. Even though Cal Poly to me is on the downward slide, I think Weber State will bounce back this week and and have a good game. Yeah, so I actually agree with you a lot, Aaron. So I don't think the score is that bad. You know, when you're playing a Pac-12 school and you're an FCS school, you know, guess what? Sometimes those scores are going to happen where it's 41 to 10. And a lot of that is due to depth, like Chris was saying. But, yeah, I, I totally agree with you, Aaron, on I've been a big critic of Weber State this offseason. I said that they won't make the playoffs. They lost too many offensive weapons. And I think this game actually showed it. I didn't expect Weber to win, but I didn't expect their brand-new quarterback – to, you know, throw five for 22 and only 13 yards. Um, that That's a huge area of concern in my book, especially because you're going to the big sky who's a heavy passing, you know, heavy offensive style conference. And Weber might have the defense, but I don't know if they have the offense this year to pull off some of those close wins they had last year. So I'm, I still ranked Weber, you know, in the top 15. I think I put him at 14 because um, I actually vote on the stats polls, but I think, man, I need to see more from Weber's offense. Defensively, they're still going to be tough. They're still still going to give some teams problems, but that offense is just a huge area of concern in my book. Um, and, I mean, we'll, we'll see what they do against Cal Poly. I anticipate they'll have much better showing against Cal Poly than Utah, but that quarterback play, I mean, that, that's tough to overcome. Yeah, that's exactly what I was talking about. Those stats are – you got to get that up and – and, and against, like I said, an FBS school, I would expect a little bit lower stats, but you need more yards than that out of your quarterback. Um, all right, so now we're actually going to talk about a really fun game. So this was, you know, the first game of the Missouri Valley versus Big Sky um, Challenge Series. We had Western Illinois coming in and playing Montana State. Western Illinois, I believe, was favored to win the game, and Montana State took it you know, 26 to 23 and, you know, they played well, I think. Um, who wants to take this one? Maybe. The yeah, no, I, 
you want to I would dive be into this? To. I mean, as a Grizz <laughs> fan, I kind of hate when the Bobcats do well, but it's a, it's a, <laughs> it's a weird dynamic. The, the Bobcats have a player who is a top-tier linebacker, a top-tier running back, and he's starting quarterback for the team. It, I, I don't know if you guys watched yep. the game, but yeah. it, was, it was ugly. The first half, it seemed like their season was a disaster and it was over. But hats off to, to their quarterback, Troy Anderson, for, for storming back and doing what he needs to do in the second half. I mean, they, they were not favored to win this game. I would have bet anything they were going to lose it. And it, because of one player and him putting the team on the back, Troy Anderson, they came away with the victory. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Like when, so I was never sold on Chris Murray as, you know, a quarterback who can lead their team to multiple playoff wins, but man, was he an athlete? Like he is scary. He's always the best athlete on the field. And when you lose your quarterback um, like that, it's pretty, pretty hard to see who can replace that. And to be honest, Troy Anderson looked like Chris Murray too. Um, He had the same type of play, you know, the throwing was a little iffy, but, I mean, he rushed all over a very stout Western Illinois defense. Um, it was like almost 150 yards and two touchdowns. And also their kicker, he kicked like, what, a 50-yard yeah. field goal? Um, something around there? Yeah, I think it was a 50 yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I was super excited for Montana State. I don't have any animosity towards them. I like beating them. I will say <laughs> that. Um but I thought it was a good showing for Montana State, especially with the adversity of, like like you just said, they brought in a defensive player to run as their quarterback. Um, who does that? But is it is it sustainable? Because, I mean, you look at it, he only threw for 81 yards and, you know, one interception, no touchdowns. And I know, I believe they have, like, an Oregon transfer sitting on the bench. So, I don't know, I think of that, like you said, he did really good on the ground and he played a little bit of running back last year. Do you really want – I mean, obviously – if they won, so I guess if it's not broke, don't fix it. But 12 for 21 and 81 yards, no touchdowns and a pick isn't really – I don't think it'll go very far in the big sky with those kinds of passing numbers. Yeah, I, I was going no. to jump on that same bandwagon and say the sustainability of that outside of the big sky might fly, but inside the big sky, I don't think that's going to – that's not going to cut it. You, you can't have your quarterback running for 145 and throwing for 81 when you get to conference play, they're going to need to figure something out. Yep. And that's, that's what Montana state, you know, those are pretty identical stats to what they did last year. Their quarterback, you know, threw for a hundred yards, rushed for 150 um, and they went six and five. So yeah, when you're, when you're in a top offensive conference, I mean, you need to figure out how to throw the ball in as great of an athlete, Troy Anderson is. I mean, I think in conference play, if they don't fix that, um, they might have some issues, but I mean, it was, it was at least a good win. To yeah. I mean, you could say the same thing about Tim Tebow and the AFC West nine years ago. Like it, uh, true. He's a, he's a different player than Chris Murray. He's not as fast as Chris Murray was, but he seems to right. be, uh, he seems to be a better athlete, um, and can right. do things that Chris Murray can't. So they do have that Oregon drop down, which, if I were recruited by Oregon, went to Oregon, and now was sitting on the bench for Montana State behind a linebacker, I'd be pretty down on myself. <laughs> oh, I would too. You know, I'm a Broncos they, fan, and I have to throw in that the Tim Tebow experiment didn't work, though. They won a playoff. You know? Hey, they got a playoff. They won a playoff. 
Wait, wait, wait. They won the playoff game because he could throw an eight-yard pass and Demarius Thomas could run 80 yards to outrun somebody. Yeah, we'll take it. <laughs> he had more playoff wins than Peyton Manning's what, first three seasons with the Broncos. So uh, I'll give you that. <laughs> and I'm a Broncos fan. Say, so. like, <laughs> right. Um, so you were talking about the Oregon transfer. Montana State, I think, man, their depth at QB is really going to show in the next couple of years. I'm super high on this kid, Casey Bowman. He's a true freshman. You know, I'm actually ho- – I was hoping Troy Anderson was going to, you know, fall apart and lose the game where they'd give because there's that new freshman redshirt rule where you can play four games and then could be redshirted. Man, I was hoping they were going to give, you know, Casey Bowman a chance. He was a top 50, you know, pro-style QB in the nation last year, and MSU got him. So I was hoping he was going to at least get a, a couple series – but since Troy Anderson won against the Missouri Valley team, I mean, he's probably going to be the starter throughout the year. I mean, if you think about it, though, if you look past Troy Anderson rushing, their next rusher had five carries for 11 yards. If you put a, yeah. you put a solid quarterback in there that can throw the ball and let Anderson play running back, yep. you know, that might be a, a pretty decent combination. I agree. And that was my whole argument with you know Montana State last year with – one of our other admins, Kelsey, so she is, she was a huge Chris Murray fan. And I said, as great as an athlete he is, they need a, you know, a legit quarterback and him in the backfield. And I think they would have done much better than just six and five. I agree. 100% agree with that. But yeah, I mean, Montana State, they get the win. They, they start the Missouri Valley big side challenge, big skies up one to zero. And, um, I mean, at least hats off to them because there's nothing more I want than to beat the Missouri Valley. Yeah. Um, so I'm even going to give Montana credit, you know, <laughs> when we get, when we start talking about Montana, and that's hard for an Eastern alumni to do. So I'm happy about you guys. I can't wait. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. So the next game of the week was, you know, the first fear of the FCS moment for the big sky, UC Davis, they took on, you know, FBS San Jose State and won 44 to 38. Um, I picked this game as an upset. I thought UC Davis's offense, you know, they have one of those offenses where, and I think I even wrote this on our page because someone was arguing that San Jose State would be able to score 40 on, you know, UC Davis. And I said, yeah, well, UC Davis can probably score 45 plus against San Jose State. And I mean, that's pretty much what happened with this game. UC Davis led pretty much the whole time, I think. Um, and it was a close game to the wire at the very end. But, um, Chris, I'm going to let you talk about this because I heard on your podcast you've been hyping up UC Davis I, a little bit. Uh, you're becoming UC Davis's second biggest fan, I think. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll say – I wouldn't say I'm a fan. I just uh, – I think they're going to do well. I actually – so for those people that don't know, they're coached by a guy named Dan Hawkins, who most people probably don't know, but he was the guy who kind of – Chris Peterson's first year where they won that Fiesta Bowl and all that hoopla, hoop, hook and ladder BS they pulled. Uh, that was a year after yep. Dan Hawkins left Boise State to go to Colorado. Dan Hawkins built that program after Dirk Cutter let it go. And so he's kind of a big offensive mind. He's the guy who hired Chris Peterson as his offensive coordinator. So just kind of knowing how he's going to do, he kind of got a raw deal on the fact that he made the mistake of letting his son – start quarterback for him in Colorado and things fell apart. They didn't do very good. He got canned and then nobody else really gave him a fair shot at, 
you know, a big, big time job. And I believe UC Davis is his alma mater. So he took the job, begged for the job, got it. He used to beat up on San Jose state. Uh, I mean, Idaho has played San Jose state good, even in our awful years. So I just knew going into this one, as far as I think UC Davis all season with Dan Hawkins in the second year, it's just going to get better and better. And then I just don't think San Jose state's a, quality program and that's saying something because i mean we lost 79 13 and i think we might have had a shot to beat them so uh <laughs> oh i i think you guys yeah. would have san jose state i think i don't have the numbers in front of me but i mean they went two and nine i believe last year and um yeah they're, they're not a they're not a solid fbs no, program cool stadium um, oh yeah i actually i've been to one of their games um because i traveled down to san jose a lot for work um you know work in the big old Silicon Valley mm-hmm. area. Uh, yeah, it's a cool stadium, but yeah, I'm not impressed with San Jose State. I mean, UC Davis showed what type of team they're going to be, and I think it's not a surprise. They're going to be, you know, a, a heavy offensive favorite team, probably one of the top five offenses in the nation. Um, in my opinion, they still need to work on their defense. Um, that's probably going to be their downfall in a very offensive heavy, you know, big sky. I think there's a couple of teams who can – play with them offensively and UC Davis is probably one of the worst um, defensive teams in the sky. So it'll be interesting, but I mean, good win for UC yeah, Davis. And good performance by Keelan Doss. He showed up and earned the right for all the accolades he's been getting. Same with their new rookie. I think he's a true freshman running back. Yep. Gilliam. Yeah. I mean, what an impressive performance in your very first game against you know i don't care that it's a bad fbs program but that's your first game playing and i mean i don't have the stats in front of me but i mean he had what over 150 total yards and a couple yeah. touchdowns 100, 132 on the ground two and two touchdowns 22 yards. plus another yeah. plus another 59 in the air yeah and I a mean, touchdown <laughs> they're gonna be an offensive you know team an offensive force in the big sky no team when they see them coming on their schedule is going to be super excited. Um, maybe not super nervous because in the back of their head, they're like, we can score on them. But I mean, those defenses are going to be nervous. Whoever's facing UC Davis's offense. Yeah. When it comes to stats, I mean, this team puts the numbers on the board. Jake Meyer threw for 446 yards and three touchdowns. They're a solid team. They're going to have to win by outscoring their opponents. And I mean, for probably, you know, eight, nine of the big sky teams. I don't think that's going to be a problem, but I think that there's still because their defense doesn't match their offense. That still puts them in the middle of the pack of the big sky. In my mindset, you gotta, you gotta at least be able to go out there and grind out a, a 13 to 10 win when you need to. I just don't know that they can, that they can keep a team to 10 and outscore them 13 to 10. If that's what the game takes. Agreed. Yeah, I don't know if they can hold any Big Sky team to 10 or even under 20. Maybe Idaho State. <laughs> or Portland yeah, State. Maybe. But I don't know. Idaho State actually – now, I don't even know if this is NIA or D2, D3. Um, Idaho State, you know, they put a whooping on Western State, Colorado, 45 to 10. Where and, is um, that? I mean, there's some – sorry, what was that? Where is that? Aaron, do you, do you know, being from Colorado, can you even tell us where Western State is? I do. It, 
It's down in the southwestern corner of Colorado, and it is a D2 school. Do you know what their record was last year? I didn't even look it up. They're not a bad school. I don't know what their record was last year, but, yeah, they, they, they're not a powerhouse in D2, that's for sure. They're not a Pueblo? No, they're not even on the same level as CSU Pueblo. Okay. So Idaho State did what they were supposed to do. Um, you know, I know they're running back James Madison, which I love because JMU has, you know, all the fans on our FCS page. Um, he, he looked to be, you know, one of the real deals. I know he's getting a lot of hype in the big sky for one of the best running backs. And I mean, he rushed for three touchdowns, but I mean, I'm going to stick with Aaron with the knowledge of Western Colorado, uh, not even being on CF Pueblo's level. So Idaho state did what they were supposed to do. Yeah, they did exactly what they're supposed to do. They put the numbers up, but even, even against a team like that, they, they didn't throw the ball that well. 245 yards between two quarterbacks and one touchdown and one interception. You would expect more. I mean, unless the coach was out there, you know, using it as a practice and game planning, um, they ran for 234 on the ground. So I, to me, if you're going to play a cupcake, you should put up a lot of stats and see a lot more players than they did. And I, I just, I mean, I think that speaks to Idaho state. They've got to do more for me. Agreed. Not not sold at all. This did nothing to change my opinion. <laughs> nope, I'm not sold on Idaho State. I think they're at the bottom of the big sky. Um, they do have, I mean, last year they were able to put up some big numbers against some good teams. Um, they even, what, they beat Nevada last year. Yeah, but, I mean. Nevada's not good. I, I, I know, I, know that. I mean. <laughs> but, I mean. Portland, our Owen, lone Owen 11 team last year, you know, Portland State, they took on Nevada. Oh, wait, hold week. on. Sorry, this, and, this is Rory. Can I make one point on Idaho State? Before well, of course. Move? Make all the just, points. Just to reiterate how bad this season's going to go for them. So this was a nice little win over a D2 school. They hilariously have their bye week next week in week two. Yeah, I, I don't understand yep. that for scheduling. And then, but hey. And then they're going on the road to Cal, on the road to North Dakota, playing Northern Arizona, who I think is the top team in the league, and then playing Idaho. That is a brutal stretch. Yeah. They're going to start, you know, one and four. Definitely. Yeah, easily. <laughs> uh, yeah, I totally agree. I'm, I'm not sold on Idaho State. Um, they did what they were supposed to against, a, you know, a mediocre D2 team. Yeah. Um, so, 0-11 Portland State, they took on FBS Nevada – and they just had a brutal showing. Um, they lost 72 to 19. And like I just said, you know, this Nevada team, they lost to Idaho State last year, 30 to 28. So I didn't expect Portland State to win. But I mean, if you looked at Portland State last year, they had some strong showings against Oregon State and BYU. And in my opinion, Nevada's worse. And man, I figured Nevada would win, but maybe by like 14 points. Um, but yeah, holy crap, I was wrong. And this just shows that Portland State is going to have another rough year in my opinion. Uh, I'll, I'll start by saying Portland State fans, it could be worse. Could be worse. I mean, you don't even have a stadium, so I don't know if it could. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to agree with that one. Um, the, they actually, though, I will give them credit. They actually scored about 10 more points than I thought they would against this Nevada team. But but they really struggled 
running the ball. They didn't run the ball well. They had six guys touch the ball and ran for 107 yards against a Nevada team that I think the four of us could put together 100 yards and run against them. And I'm broken, so that tells you that. I'd probably be negative yards. I think the yeah. one limelight they have, the one good thing they have is on is uh, Charlie Tampano, Tampa Poe. He's a he's a solid wide receiver, but I mean he had one catch for seventy five yards and then two other catches for another sixty or fifty five. So Portland State's going to struggle. And like you said, they don't have a stadium. I I am blessed. UNC goes there this year, and we are the only team that gets to play there in the soccer stadium that they play in. So it's actually pretty cool when they play in the soccer stadium. Um, yep. You'll get to go there. That is pretty cool. Um, but, yeah, when they play in their legit high school, like, you know, yep. citywide high school yeah, stadium. Hill, Hillsboro High. It makes, it makes <laughs> Eastern Stadium look like Montana. Well, well, thank God they're using the <laughs> soccer stadium for Northern Colorado. That's going to get all the fans out in Portland. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, probably the furthest team away from Portland. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, do you guys want to add anything else on Portland state? I'm, I'm just uh, curious. We, we set the over under for wins for these guys at the beginning of the year at two and a half. They have a, a D two school coming up in a couple of weeks, but where do you think they fall over or under that line? Under. I under. would say they get two wins. So under. <laughs> Yeah, I would say I would say it's under, and I would say if they play like they did against Nevada, the D two game is questionable. <laughs> I, I think they'll still win the D two game. Uh, um, I'm just throwing it out there. There's been FCS teams that beat FBS. There could be D two beating. I'm just saying. I think there was actually one D two over an FCS already this year. Um, it, it happens about once a year. I mean, not as much as the FCS over FBS, but it does happen. Yep. I mean, Eastern lost to Central Washington before. Yeah. And, I mean, you could argue, what, North Alabama is barely first year as D1 yep. FBS. So. Yeah, they yep. play five – they still play five um, D2 teams this year. So, I mean, even if they go, you know, 11-0, and 0, um, I still don't think they're playoff eligible because they don't even have enough D1 games. That's incredible. Agreed. Yeah. So we'll actually talk about that game right now. So FCS newcomer, North Alabama, traveled to, you know, the co-big sky champ, Southern Utah, and won a really close matchup, 34-30. to 30. Now, on our page, I actually didn't get to watch this game, so I'm going to lean on you guys for saying the officiating was so bad in the last two minutes. I don't know if that's just – you know, salty fans or if that's true or not. Um, but these were fans who were like, even from uh, Jacksonville state who were rooting for North Alabama. They said the, the fan or the refing was really bad um, where they wanted North Alabama to, you know, keep it close. Did any of you guys watch it and can, can let me know of that? Or are you guys kind of like me where you just saw the stats? No, I, I watched I, it. I watched the fourth quarter of the game and the, the reports of how bad the refs are or, not exaggerating at all there was two calls i mean as you read there was uh, north alabama was down three with like a minute or so left within the 10 yard line and they threw two interceptions which would have ended the game that were called back and on the replays you could there was no clear penalty like it, it there's a pass interference call where there's no contact 
and there's a late hit on the quarterback and he was hit while he still had the ball in his hand. Like they were, they were really bad calls. Hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, I only, I only read what people were writing cause I didn't get a chance to watch it. Um, but yeah, that's what everyone was saying. They were like, the last two minutes were just the worst officiating, you know, people have seen since they started watching college football like that bad. Yeah. These were definitely North Alabama may have jumped up from D2, but these refs were still down in D2. Shots. Okay. So do you, do you guys think that Southern Utah will get it together? And I know they have a brutal schedule to where I actually looked at their schedule and I'm pretty sure they're going to start, you know, 0 and 5. I mean, here's the way I look at it. They have, they had North Alabama this last weekend. And and if you just look at stats and you look at the game on paper to a North Alabama team, a division two school coming up this year, they gave up a hundred yard rusher, 350 yard passer, and almost two 100 yard receivers defensively. One had 135 and the other one had 95 yards receiving for North Alabama. Three touchdowns between them. Yeah, and three touchdowns between the two of them and then another touchdown on the ground. That scares me for Southern Utah. They put up solid stats offensively, but couldn't come away with a win. Now, I'm on the mindset that if you've seen their next opponent play Oregon State, if Southern Utah gets it together and they play the way I think the four of us would expect them to play, they can beat Oregon State. But if they continue to play like they played against Northern Alabama defensively and let teams do that against them, I think 0-5 is a, a, a very good prediction for their first five games. So on our FCS Fans Nation page, I was doing a Change My Mind series. And on – I don't know if any of you guys remember this, if you were on it or not. But on it, I said um, – I did a big sky you know, week of Change My Mind, and each day was focused on a new topic. And – um, one of them was Southern Utah and Weber State don't make the playoffs. I am still sticking to that. I think they both lost too much on offense. Um, and more Southern Utah is just they have a brutal schedule. I think they have one of the hardest, you know, top three hardest schedules in the FCS this year. Um, they, they did not get the luck of the draw on their schedule. So I'm sticking to it. I, I think, you know, the co-big sky champs, both of them do not make the playoffs. I, I would I would not have a hard time agreeing with that, with the way that they started their season, each one of them. Yeah, I mean, I think Southern Utah, no chance they make the playoffs. I'm, I'm not willing to write off Weber State quite yet. I think they played well enough in week one, um, but jury's still out. I was high on Southern Utah, and I instantly flat. I, I think they're going to stink. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what what the coach has done, you know, in Southern Utah in the last three years has been pretty impressive because I think he's only been there three years. Um, I think Southern Utah, you know, in the long run, they're going to be good. This year is going to be a tough one, mainly due to that schedule. That schedule is brutal. Like, this was the one game in the first five weeks where I was like, all right, they'll get a win. And they didn't. So that just makes me think, man, Southern Utah is going to start the season 0-5. It's going to be rough. Completely agree. Yep. So we had um, number 10 in the SES stats poll, my Eastern Washington. We took on 
um, D2, you know, historic rival in Central Washington, and we won 58 to 13. I know, you know, Montana and Eastern, the last time we played Central Washington University, Eastern won by three or four, Montana won by three on a last, you know, minute field goal. And both of our teams went on to play the national championship. So I was a little nervous coming into this game because Central Washington went 11 and 0 in the D2 last year. I thought we'd win, but I was thinking it was going to be like a 14 point game. But no, we completely tore them apart, which makes me pretty happy, especially because our running game has always been our weakest link. And we had 328 rushing yards um, plus, you know, 350 passing yards. And that's the most rushing yards we've had in a single game since 2004. So I'm pretty excited because we have a couple great running backs to balance some of our passing attack this year. Um, and, and I think we had a good show. I, I agree. I think it'll be a good year for you guys. But I think the true test on whether or not you have a true balanced attack comes this week when you play Northern Arizona. I mean, that's, totally I mean, agree, I, yeah. I, I, I agree. It's good to have a balanced attack to see 328 and 349 on your running. And, but I think this, you know, you always hear analysts talk about a must win game or that game. I think the Eastern Washington, Northern Arizona game coming up this next weekend is going to be the game that could settle who wins the big sky at the end of the season. Yeah. Well, so even, so they don't play each other in the regular season. It's not a conference I agree, game. but it's still, I, I still think it's that game where it's a tide turner for either team. They're both 1-0. They both come off of, of good wins where they show what they've got. They both have solid players, but I think this is one of those tide turner games where, where the real team shows up and shows what, they're going to offer the big yeah, sky. That's the point I make. I don't, I don't, yeah, totally I don't think the loser of this game is going to go on to win the big sky, I guess. It's, so I know it's not, it's not a conference yeah. game, so it doesn't necessarily affect their standings in it, but let mm-hmm. Eastern means Northern Arizona, even though they're still zero and zero in big sky conference play. I think that's just going to show that what Northern Arizona is going to be able to do to the rest of the conference compared to what Eastern does, even though Eastern gets a little bit, you know, luck of the draw with Dodge and Montana and some other, schools but i i think the winner of this game instantly probably becomes the number one contender even though it doesn't necessarily account you know against the actual standings so i i think even if eastern beats nau i think nau still wins the big sky and it's because you just said eastern got the luck of the draw and they avoid montana nau avoids montana idaho and that's eastern true in that's, the regular that's pretty so I, I still think if they lose this, they have a good shot to go 8-0 in conference. Um, if they win it, they definitely have a good shot. So I think no matter what, if I'm a betting man, I'm betting on NNU at least having a share of the title. I think that'd be a safe bet. I don't think I'd bet against that. Yeah, I think they're the the team to beat right now. You know, I think Eastern is good, but week one, getting that win over an FBS school and – also being favored on the road against an FBS school, Northern Arizona. I mean, they put something on paper and it was impressive where Eastern, like, you know, great that a balanced attack against a division two school, but I won't really have an opinion on them until we see what happens this weekend. And they totally agree. And they've got another tough one after that at Washington state that I think helps figure things out. Yeah. We're not, we're not going to win that game. The only way we win that game is if it was maybe week one, um, I think we lose Washington State, and I'm probably one of the only Eastern fans who are 
you know, really giving us less than 5% chance. So you were talking about the NAU UTEP win. NAU, they were the only, I believe, maybe Kennesaw was a favorite too um, over Georgia State. But yeah, NAU was a seven point favorite over UTEP. They dominated on our page. I said, you know, NAU, they need to win by 21 in order to, you know, give me a good idea that they can win a big sky title. And they won by 20, which, you know what, I'm saying that's good enough. They proved that they were dominant. UTEP is a really bad FBS school. So it was nice to see NAU not even struggle at the slightest. Um, yeah, they, they dominated. They, they showed that, you know, they're a real big sky title contending team. I agree with you. The only hole for me that I've seen in Northern Arizona in the last couple of years is, is I call it the, the Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen effect. And that's Emmanuel Butler. While he's a fantastic receiver, he gets injured. You take him out of the play, and that Northern Arizona team is completely different, like night and day yep. ball club. And, you know, we've seen it the last couple of years. Emmanuel Butler misses time, and, and they struggle yeah. to win. They've got to keep him. Oh, we saw that against they, San Diego yeah, in the playoffs. Yeah, they've got to keep him healthy. Without Emmanuel Butler, this Northern Arizona team is not a playoff team in my mindset. Wow. So I still think they're probably a playoff team due to their schedule, even without Manuel I guess Butler. it would depend on how many games he missed. You. Right. If he yeah. misses when, six, when seven. When Butler's on the field, they're – Oh, I agree. Plus, they got that home field advantage thing with all the altitude. I guess there's a lot of high altitude in the big sky, though. But that's something, you know, I guess Idaho talks about just because the Sun Belt doesn't have high altitude. But <laughs> we're, we're going to get used to a quite a <laughs> bit of high altitude. It's a factor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, so, yeah, NAU, they did what they were supposed to do. Um, I want to talk a little bit since we have Aaron here. So, Northern Colorado, so McNeese traveled to Northern Colorado, and McNeese was a nine-win team last year who was just missed the playoffs. I actually thought they should have got in over Nichols, um, and Nichols had a pretty good showing in the playoffs, losing to South Dakota. But um, it was like 17-0 at the half, Nichols lead, or McNeese leading. And then Northern Northern Colorado, man, they tried to bring it back, and, and they, they got close. Aaron, can you give us kind of a breakdown on your game, and what are your thoughts of Northern Colorado moving forward? Because a lot of fans, I would say a lot of us still don't know much about Northern Colorado because, you know, and I'm not saying this to be disrespectful, but they haven't done much in the big Yeah, side. they they haven't. So, You're right. So I, I will throw this out that the Northern Colorado defense is a changed defense this year. They're better than they have been. You know, the last season they gave up almost 250 yards a game on the ground. Uh, they leaked really bad when it came to the run game against McNeese, who is a, a decent running team. They only gave up 106 yards, 85 in the first half, 21 in the second half. They kept James Tabory to 206 yards through the air, so they held him to just over 300 yards. This game, in my mind, comes down to two things. One, a slow start on UNC's offensive part. And I, I really put that on a couple shoulders. One, the offensive line. Last season, I know everybody's heard it and everybody deals with it, but the Bears dealt with probably one of the worst injury seasons I've ever seen in my time covering football. You know, by the time the season was over, I don't know that there was anybody on the offensive line that started in the first couple games. That's how bad injury-wise we were. And to lose Jacob Nip for the second season in a row 
you know, that hurt. So he's coming back. This was his first game back in almost 360, 60 days. So, you know, that hurt. And then the one thing that everybody likes to point out is that the Bears rushed for 40 yards. But I like to point out that McNeese gave up 54 yards a game on the ground last season, number one in the country. And if you get a chance and you can watch the film, and I've watched the film of the game after and I watched them before, they are a stout, solid defense. And to stop the run, that's exactly what they're out there for. They want teams to beat them through the air. The problem where the Bears fell is they missed three field goals. They lost 17 to 14. And they missed three field goals, 50, wow. 51, 44, and 39 from a kicker who missed three field goals all last season and kicked three of them over 50 yards. One of them at, 50, one of them at 56 yards last year. So something was going on with the kicker. He makes two of those and the Bears get a win. You know, he makes one and at least it's an overtime shot. So while it was a loss and it was a tough loss, I'm as as an analyst and going back and looking over what they've done, I'm excited for their season. I think we go into South Dakota this weekend, and I think we win by two touchdowns. Wow, nice! Hey, I'll, I'll oh, the root for you guys. Ball. Any Missouri Valley Big Sky Challenge <laughs> series, I'm sweep the Big Sky. Sweep I'm down with that. Sweep the rest of them. <laughs> <laughs> so, so um, you know, Cal Poly they got dominated by North Dakota State. I think everyone knew that was going to happen. Maybe not in that fashion, but I feel like we don't have to spend too much time on that game or Sac State. Um, Sac State, they beat St. Francis, Illinois, 55-7. to I don't know if St. Francis is D2 or NAI. I think they're NAI. I think so. Um, but, I mean, they did what they were supposed to. And then we'll talk about our last two games. So, um, we're going to talk about your no, team, Chris, Idaho. <laughs> Wait, before, so, before we talk about so, Idaho, can we just point out that North Dakota rushed for 458 yards against Cal Poly and averaged yeah, over 10 brutal. yards per carry. That's all I needed to say. They're, they're, the, overwhel- they're the overwhelming favorite to win the FCS national championship this year. Um, I mean, that's insane. insane. Anyway, sorry to interrupt. <laughs> you're, you're totally good. Yeah, Chris, let us know what happened uh, to Idaho. Like, I know Fresno State's a really are, good team. And they got Jeff Tedford coaching them. So, you know, guy who coached Aaron Rodgers, Marshawn Lynch, had those years where, honestly, if it wasn't for Pete Carroll's USC, and they would have won the Pac-10, maybe a national title. So, I mean, he's a good coach. Uh, you know, it just – the game was just miserable in the fact that – so, first, first play, for instance, they do a um, – Oh, whatever. Where you, the running back grabs it, tosses back to the quarterback. Can't think of it right now. Statue of Liberty. No, no, no. The, oh, the flea flicker. The flea <laughs> flicker. And our quarterback's, you know, 6'4", 6'5", 250. I mean, he's a big frame. Barely hits the quarterback. No no yards there. Then a false start. So just not getting off to a good start off the bat. And then we have a bit of a quarterback competition going on right now between the coach's son, who's about 5'10", buck 70. And this kid, Colton Richardson, who's a true sophomore. Um, and it just, I mean, it showed every time it looked like one of them got rhythm, they switched in the other one. And it wasn't even like an every series thing. It was like a random third down, they'd throw one in. And oh. I mean, it was just a disaster. Mason, who's the coach's son, Petrino, fumbled the ball. And I think it was his first series or his second series. Then we marched down the field. We had a shot at a field goal. It got blocked, returned for a touchdown. 
Then we had our quarterback, Colton Richardson, threw a pick six. And then we also had a field goal right before halftime that got blocked and ran back for another touchdown. So, I mean, they had 21 points on defensive and special teams. That paired with the fact that our quarterbacks threw five picks and we had two fumbles. I mean, it was just – it just looked like we didn't practice and we weren't prepared. And I was a little worried going into this just because the coach just seemed – I don't know if he just – doesn't want to give away a lot, or I, I'm just hoping on that. But the problem is we have a quarterback that's not a quarterback. He's a wide receiver at best, competing with, you know, a kid who's a pretty decent quarterback. But I'm kind of like um, we were saying about Montana State. We have a, we have a true freshman uh, out of the same area, Mercer Island, Washington, who looks like prototypical 6'5", 230, it's got a cannon, you know, it's just, I think it's a playbook issue. He just hasn't gotten into the playbook enough, but I would have liked to see, especially in a blowout like this with the new retro rule, giving us some snaps. They didn't do it. Um, yeah. I can't defend them too much. I mean, 79, 13 is bad. A lot of people are calling for us just to quit football. Uh, I think we're fine. <laughs> I, I, you know, pump the brakes a bit. Uh, we, you know, we got Western New Mexico coming, coming in this week. I wouldn't be surprised if we flopped the score line and then, you know, We'll know more about Idaho after our week four game against UC Davis. That, that's kind of what we're viewing our season starting. We should win this week. And then it's just, you know, t- take care of UC Davis. And then we're right into the thick of the big sky and let the dice roll as they will. A little people are down on the confidence, but hopefully we'll, we'll rally back and maybe get a championship or title push at least out of the season. Hey, like, I'm still – I'm not too worried, like, about Idaho's performance week one. Fresno State's a good team. And sometimes these FBS, you know, FCS, because now you guys are legit FCS. Um, sometimes these blowouts happen. Um, it it will – I mean, it's got to make you a little nervous about your QB situation. Um, that's probably not super, super, <laughs> super pumped about. But um, I still think Idaho's a top, you know, half big sky team. Well, this is, uh, as I've said, Chris, I think you're an A-plus guy and that you run an A-plus podcast, but you might be covering a C-minus team. I, I am not very confident in Idaho after this game, and I'm really concerned with the schedule. I mean, I thought Idaho was a top-tier team coming in just because of the FBS talent, but, you know, Cupcake this week, then a bye week, and then you're coming into September with the full slate of games like it's just it's a weird it's a weird schedule to me. Um, yeah, I'm worried about Idaho's Idaho this year. And and yep. for me, I'm of the mindset that if you have two quarterbacks, you have none, right? You you got to make a decision. And maybe they're taking these first coaches are taking these first couple games, a tough opponent and a cupcake, and see how things play out, and then one. name a starter that's going to stay there. What's that? If we're being honest, we have one quarterback. The other one's a, a dad chasing some glory, watching his son play Division One football. Well, yeah. hopefully he wakes up by the time you guys get to UC Davis and and realizes that the only way his team's going to win is to go with the quarterback. I agree. Now, let's talk about our FCS Fans Nation game of the week last week. The return of Bobby Howe, number 25, Montana, took on number 13, you know, Missouri Valley team, Northern Iowa. Um, I picked Montana to win it. Let's hear from you, Mr. Bear Tycoon. What did this win, you know, mean for Montana? Should we start drinking the Bobby Howe Kool-Aid? 
you know, what do we need to start doing? Well, I try not to get too excited. I'm, I'm always an optimist when it comes to the Grizz, but I, coming into last week, I thought we were going to lose. Um, I thought there was too many questions about this team, new quarterback, new coach. Uh, I was not optimistic. So the fact that we dominated the first half, we're up 26 to nothing. I was over the moon. Um, and, you know, second half didn't go so great, but a win's a win. Northern Iowa was a very good team. Uh, I would not say that we are we are back. I mean, we have a, a cupcake this weekend against Drake. The Grizz are favored by 25 points at home. Um, and so I'm going to withhold judgment on them for the season until they play at Western Illinois on the 15th. I will say, though, on our podcast that was posted today, we had an interview with former Grizz quarterback Reese Phillips, who was very, very high on Dalton Sneed um, and what he was able to do for the Grizz. So when I don't know something, I tend to default to the experts. So I'm going to default to Reese and say that Dalton's the real deal. Um, but I think we have a bit of a talent deficit when compared to uh, the rest of the league. So I am one of those people, since I go to Eastern, you know, I'm not a Montana fan. Um, that just happens. But when Montana is winning and they're in the national spotlight, it is a good thing for the big sky. So I want you guys to go to the playoffs. I want you to come to Cheney in December um, so you guys can lose again on the red field. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but no, so you know what? I, I hope, I kind of wish good things for Montana. And um, as long as Eastern can keep beating you every year. You know, I don't mind if you win all the other yeah, games. Yeah, I agree. I'm pro pro Montana until the little Brownstein game. Then, you know, I'll, I'll point your way back to Missoula for you. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I like the way Montana beat, you know, won this game. It was a solid win for them. Not much in the second half. Started strong. The only thing that scares me, and, and I think uh, I think he addressed it, is the the – um, kind of the fall off in talent, you know, Dalton Sneed threw for 248. He was also their leading rusher with 58 yards. Then under, after that, Adam Eastwood, nine carries and 15 yards and only 75 yards rushing the ball. I think if you guys want to be um, the contender and take down Eastern Washington on the ugly red field, <laughs> then um, that running game is going to have to come up. And, and you, I, to me, it, I guess I'm just old-fashioned. When I look at a stat line and I see that your quarterback is also your leading um, rusher, that scares me a little bit because in this day and age, it just takes one shot, your quarterback's done, and now teams are in trouble and they're scrambling. And coming from the, a Bears fan where I saw the last two seasons, us having to play second and third string quarterbacks and see how it turns out, I don't wish that on any team. But when I see your quarterback as the leading rusher, I, that just scares me. I got a question for you, actually, Rory. Yep. Yeah. Dalton Sneed, this going into this year, if you had your pick, Dalton Sneed or Gress Jensen, who would you actually think the team would have done better with? Have you guys upped the ante with Sneed? Or? I think it's a good question. I mean, I think from my perspective, Gress Jensen's a known entity. He was great last year. He came in. Um, when Reese Phillips actually Reese Phillips busted up his leg um, and Gresh, I was super comfortable with him at quarterback. So to me, Dalton Sneed's got to prove himself. I think on Saturday he took a step in that direction. Um, and I'm, I think most Grizz fans are, you know, of an open mind, but you know, we basically lost, we lost our starting, we've lost it. We've lost our starting quarterback 
each of the last three seasons. Um, and so it's kind of a mess. And, and just to the point on the running backs, like I agree, like we need a good running game uh, to, to be successful, but just to be clear, our, our running back is, did not play um, our starting running back because he was suspended. That's right. He's suspended, yeah. right? Heroically suspended for, I think, punching someone in the face. So, yes. Yep. So let's just, I want to talk about, you know, the power rankings. Each one of you give a quick power ranking on the big sky teams, you know, let label them one through 13. Um, whoever wants to start, go for it. Wow. Uh, I'll, I'll start. <laughs> I, I prepped one, so, you know, I'll give everyone else a little time to think about it. Uh, so I went Eastern one, uh, Northern Arizona two. Obviously, that's going to change next week. Uh, I, <laughs> I think the win, Montana bumps up to three. Weber State was close enough that they stay at four. UC Davis got my five. Montana State did good, but unfortunately, everybody else looked a little, a little better. They're at six. I have Idaho down to seven. Uh, Northern Colorado right behind them at eight. Sac State at nine. Idaho State 10. Portland State 11. Southern Utah not hot, totally flat, 12, and Cal Poly last. Wow. Wow. Yeah, so I'll go. Um, I put Eastern Washington at one. You know, all bias aside, um, I, I put them at one. I put NAU at two. Um, Montana's at the three spot. I actually put UC Davis at four. I think as the season goes on, that might change. But after their week one performance, this is my power ranking. Uh, Montana State, I put at five. Weaver, I put at six. Um, Sac State, I put at seven. Then I have Idaho at eight, Northern Colorado, Southern Utah, Idaho State, Cal Poly, and Portland State. All right. Well, I, I'll go. Uh, I think I think our tops are pretty close. I, I have Eastern Washington at the top. I have uh, Northern Arizona right after them. But I, I go back. I think that'll change after this week. I think this week will be a, a storyteller for the big sky. I have UC Davis at three because I just think that their offense is going to be solid. If if they can't start stopping teams, then then they'll fall down that list. I have Montana at four, Montana State at five. Um, after that, I'll put uh, Weber State. Um, I'm going to go with uh, Northern Colorado right there in the middle of the pack because I think they've got a lot. Um, they've proved a lot and I think they're going to be a lot better than people think they are. Um, let's see, where are we at here? Then we'll go Idaho, um, um, Idaho state. And I'll put, and then I'll put the, the bottom three to me are, are Cal Poly, um, Portland state and, and Southern Utah. I won't put Southern Utah at the bottom. I would probably put Portland state at the bottom, Cal Poly above them and Southern Utah, uh, third from the bottom. All of us are just not sold on Southern Utah this year. And I had a fourth at one point, like in the nation. <laughs> oh, geez. Well, and I can let me do mine real quick, and then I gotta sign off. But thanks so much for having me on the pod. I disagree. Oh, I with uh, with uh, Cal Poly. I think Cal Poly is somewhere in the middle of the pack. Um, I don't have mine hmm. ranked one through thirteen, but my top four. I, I put Northern Arizona one, UC Davis two. I, I'm rewarding both them for playing FBS week one and getting the victories. Uh, Eastern Washington, who might be the best team, three, Montana, four. I think everyone else is kind of grouped up in a big middle group besides my bottom three, which is Idaho State, who stinks, uh, Portland State, and I'm sorry to say it, Northern Colorado. Hmm. 
All right. All right. I mean, what's crazy is the depth of the Big Sky this year. I don't think the Big Sky's ever had this much depth, at least in my recent memory. Um, I think it's going to be a fun year. Yeah, I'm, well, it's all new for us, so uh, I'm enjoying it. I'm loving learning about every team. But, yeah, I mean, that's why this is so hard for me. Everything I have is, you know, off of highlights I've watched the last two years and one week of games. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, Rory, I appreciate you jumping on. Um, we'll continue just with the last little section, so you can just feel free to drop off. But thank you, man. Yeah, thanks, guys. This was fun. Yeah, thanks. Um. So the last little section, this won't take too long. I just want, I picked like, you know, your guys' games. Um, give me a score prediction on what you think um, is going to happen in this game. And I'll give you mine and we'll see how close we are. So Northern Colorado at number 23, South Dakota. Uh, well, I think I said it earlier in my, in my wrap up of this last weekend. I think Northern Colorado goes in and surprises a lot of people. I've watched South Dakota's tape, and honestly, other than their receiver, Falk, I'm not really impressed with their offense. They didn't block well. Their quarterback, as a young quarterback, he made his first start of his career last week. I think the Bears' defense gets after him. He throws a couple interceptions. The kicker wakes up. I'm going to say the Bears win this one 31-17. I hope so. I hope you're right. So I actually picked South Dakota winning – um, cause it's at South Dakota, but I picked it only winning 27 to 24. And I think Northern Colorado is going to be better than what their record shows at the end of the year. I think you guys actually will play a lot of close games, um, that some of them, you, you just won't come on top. Some of them you will. Um, but I think, I think it's going to be a super good game. And, and if you ask any Missouri Valley fan, they're going to say South Dakota is going to dominate you guys. And I just don't think that's the case. Yeah, I don't think so either. Yeah, I think it'll be a very good game. And kind of what the Kyler said, a great coach named Paul Petrino once said, when you're starting over with a program, you get blown out one year. The next year, you'll lose the close ones. The next year, you'll win the close ones. And then the next year, you'll be blowing teams out. I think you guys are going to be a little bit this year in that annoying losing the close ones phase. I do think, like I said, McNeese is great. I was very impressed with you guys. why I moved you guys up pretty high on my power rankings compared to where I would have had you. But that being said, McNeese State is not, you know, um, what, Kansas State. And I I just think South Dakota played a really great game. And I could see it being like 24-10. I think you guys hang in there for a while or they just get a lead early and you have to claw back. I just – I think they looked too good against KSU to to lose at home. Um, but, you know, maybe if it was in Greeley, it would be a little different. Yeah, I think so. I think the elevation would, would be a factor, too. Um, so we'll move on to Western New Mexico takes on Idaho. Um, I'm going to say Idaho wins 55 to 13. And it's, it you'll probably give up touchdown towards the end of the game. Yeah, uh, on the tubs of the club, I predicted, you know, because we do that one so fresh after the games, 79-13, we just straight flipped the score. Um, but to at least, you know, diversify here a bit and give myself another score, I can maybe say, see, I told you so. Uh, <laughs> I, I could see us winning like 45-3. Maybe, like you said, I think they get a drive together or maybe get a defensive touchdown. I, I think it will be hard for us to keep them out of the end zone, especially at the end of the game where we kind of just let off the gas. So I think they do get one on us, not quite a shutout, but I think we don't maybe give up the touchdown, just a field goal. 
and maybe like one from like the you know a little thirty-two yard chip shot. Okay. Yeah, I'd I'd put this one at about fifty-two to nine. I don't think that Western New Mexico gets in the end zone. I think they can. They'll they'll play well between the twenties. Maybe get a couple chip shot field goals in there. And most of those will come at the end of the game when Idaho's playing the kids that they want to give one of their four games for their before they lose their red shirt. You know, the third stringers to see if they, you know, if they had to go to them later in the year, who would they go with? And and I think that's the time that Western New Mexico gets their points. But I put it at fifty-two to nine. Okay, so we all we all are kind of on agreement that Idaho is just going to dominate them. Oh yeah. So now we'll just talk about you know the two best games that are actually in week two for all of the FCS. So, I mean, Montana State, they take on number four or number three, South Dakota State. Um, let's hear your guys' score prediction. So, uh, or no, you take it away, Aaron. I was going to say, I'll go first, simply because I, while I live in Colorado, I'm a South Dakota boy. Um, I, and simply because this is in South Dakota – I think that they have a pure advantage there, but Montana played well, but I don't know that their offense played well enough to keep up with South Dakota state. South Dakota state gave up a lot of talent, lost a lot of talent in the off season, but I still think South Dakota state wins this one 21 to or 28 to 10. Yeah, I think God. So this game was really, this was the game last week. I flip-flopped on UNI versus Montana. This is my flip-flop game this week. I, I picked San Diego or sorry South Dakota State in the FCS fans nations pick them but honestly the closer this game gets and the more I've kind of watched the Montana State game again the fact that the South Dakota State game was delayed and they had all those issues not really getting the warm up Montana State coming off an emotional win really getting to feel some stuff out I think they have a really good shot on in this one however like we talked about in reviewing the last game, I'm just not sold on having pretty much a running back linebacker at quarterback. I think South Dakota state takes it away, but honestly, this game is a lot closer than I think it would have been had Montana state's game ended up different in South Dakota state, not been lightning delayed. I think maybe it would be more of a blowout, but I think Montana state is going to give them one heck of a game. If not surprising. So, just to let you guys know, I'm 3-0 and on the Big Sky Missouri Valley Challenge this year, guessing. And I am guessing Montana State upsets South Dakota State 24-21. to And sure. it's a lot to do with what Chris said. And also, I think Montana State's defense is just really good this year. And I know South Dakota State, like Aaron said, they lost a lot of key talent on their offensive side. Um, and we haven't, we haven't really got to see South Dakota State yet this year because of that delay. So I'm going with – Montana State, I think they'll be more prepped. And last year, it was such a good game where Montana State probably should have won. And South Dakota State was, you know, one of the top four teams in the nation. So I think it's going to be another emotional game. But I'm giving the edge to Montana State and the upset. Like I said, I I wouldn't be surprised. Now we'll talk about our FCS Fans Nation game of the week. Number six, Eastern travels all the way down to number 18, Northern Arizona. Um, Let's hear your guys' predictions. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's going to be a slobber knocker backyard brawl. I mean, you got NAU is coming off 
being really upset after how last season ended with, you know, a similar thing to Eastern Washington, where Eastern Washington's upset how last year ended with feeling they might have deserved to look over NAU and then NAU losing to South Dakota. So I feel like there's this also that, like, underlying grudge match going on there. And the fact that you've got arguably the two best quarterbacks in the conference going against each other. Uh, this one's hard. And I picked Eastern. I'm going to stick with Eastern. But once again, I think that's that's a long bit of travel, um, especially, you know, I, it's tough. And I feel like NAU is a tough place to play. But, I mean, I just think Eastern is on a mission this year. And I really don't think they get too tripped up at all until, you know, the Idaho game. So I'm going to take Eastern. (laughs) I think you said a lot of good things in there. Um, The one thing that jumps out to me is I I look at this game like when I play Madden. I put the worst team out there in Madden and I play with the best team and I just run the score up, right? I don't think that's going to be the case. I think it's going to be two offenses playing against two defenses that look like they shouldn't be out on the field. And, and I think just because of the altitude and the location of the game, and I think the Northern Arizona Lumberjack fans will come out in droves and fill up that uh, dome. I think, a while. Yeah. I think Northern Arizona won Northern Arizona wins this 38, 35 last second field goal to win it. So last time Eastern played Northern Arizona in the dome was in 2016. We beat them 50 yep. to 35 um, and Cooper cup was gone at, you know, halftime with an injury or something like that. Yep. Um, I was at that game. It was fun to be honest. I, I, I don't think it's going to be much different. Um, and I actually, I think Eastern's defense is much improved over the last couple of years. I don't think we give up 30 points to anyone this regular season besides WSU. I think they run it up on us. Um, and I think we, give it to NAU. I'm guessing 44, 28. Um, I don't think NAU is going to be that big of a, an issue for us, to be honest. Oh, well, you know, hopefully the team has that confidence. And then Casey Everett, who's our lone NAU fan on the page, he predicts 35, 28 NAU. I was actually going to make, I realized I didn't give a score prediction on the last two. I was going to say 35, 28, but Eastern. So <laughs> Yeah, I, I think we still score 40-plus. Um, this is, in my opinion, the best offense Eastern's ever had with our talent. Um, even that's comparing it to 2016 with three NFL wide receivers. This is the best and most experienced offense we've ever had. Um, I don't think we'll have too much of an issue. So we just have two quick questions from the fans. This will be real quick. So Kevin Maydahl, who's a – um, Montana's fan, he asked, besides Eastern Washington, which this is in his opinion, the favorite in the big sky, who else has the best chance to make a run into the semis or further, if any? Uh, Montana. I, I think, uh, you know, I'm going to take Idaho off the table, even though, you know, I, I hope we'll see. I got to learn more about all the big sky before I start making any more Idaho predictions, but Montana one alone has the tradition. They have the players. They've had the recruiting. And, you know, they have a coach coming back who's been there and done that. So if there's any other team that has even the experience to do it, it it's Montana. So I think that that 
I, I wouldn't be surprised if they do it over, you know, Weaver or Northern Arizona, or maybe even take the number one seed uh, or, you know, the conference championship from Eastern. So I would not be surprised. The way Montana looks, I would not be surprised at all if they have it. Yeah. I mean, for an experience in the playoffs, if Montana makes the playoffs, I think they have the best chance to go further out of any of the other big sky teams, but I mean, they have a pretty easy schedule, so I imagine them making the playoffs. Um, I'm, I'm going to stick it with, you know, your answer and say Montana as well. I, I would agree with Montana, but I'd also throw in that I think the Big Sky puts in possibly four teams into the playoffs, and I think of those four, three of them can make a at least win a first round, if not get deeper into the playoffs, and those three would be Eastern Washington, Montana and Northern Arizona. And then my fourth team in um, would be UC Davis. Aaron, I totally agree with you. I think we do bring in four teams this year. I think it'll be a lot like 2016 where the CAA, Southern Missouri Valley and Big Sky each grab four teams. But I think the Southland instead of the Southern puts in four. Yes. All right. And then, so the last question, then we'll let you guys go. And I appreciate you guys jumping on. So Jamie Williams asks, which duo has a better game this week? Cookus and Butler or Gage and Webster from a straight stats standpoint? Hmm. I think Cookus and Butler do. Yeah. I'm simply because I think they're going to be behind and they're going to have to throw the heck out of the ball. Yep. Yeah. I think the little, the bit of the whole home field advantage comes in the fact there. Every time they make a big play, it's going to get loud. And yep. I think it just fuels them. I don't think they win, but I mean, God, they, they look good. They look really good. They, I mean, I don't know. I, I'm going to go with, yeah, Cookus and Butler. And I totally agree with both of you guys. I think it's Cookus and Butler, but it's because um, redshirt freshman Andrew Boston is going to be our leading receiver this game. So it's going to be Gage and Boston um, over <laughs> Gage and Webster. He is one of the best talented, like strictly just talented receivers. I think Eastern's ever had. Um, I'm super excited for him to play this year as a redshirt freshman. Well, perfect. Well, thank you guys. I appreciate you jumping on. If you guys want to give a quick shout out, you know, where people can follow you on social media, this is the time to do it, but I appreciate it. Awesome. Yeah. You can follow me at uh, Aaron Rath underscore UNC. You can also listen to me on 1310. Uh, 1310kfka.com uh, listen to the Bears games yeah uh, you can find us like I said www.tubsattheclub.com you can get our podcast on like everything iTunes, Spotify, Google Play so you know give us a listen if you got any questions you want to ask you know Idaho fans you can use the hashtag AskTATC uh, you can call in questions on the Anchor app uh, we record on Tuesdays new episodes are every Thursday so we love to hear from you guys ask us any questions if you want to get to know us and I just want to say thanks to FCS Fans Nation for letting us on. It's a lot of fun to, you know, kind of branch out of just Idaho for a little bit and get to talk the rest of the, the FCS. Absolutely. I second that. Thank you very much for having us. Oh, no, I appreciate it. You guys have been awesome guests. You know, maybe maybe down the lane, you know, we can rekindle and do this again. Agreed. Absolutely. And awesome. if actually makes it to Moscow for a game, you can find me at the Corner Club, which is our – our website's namesake, and I'll get you a tub of beer. It's 32 ounces for about about a dollar or two. So come find it. Ask for Chris. They'll point you in my direct. 
Awesome. Yeah, you guys come down here, so. <laughs> All right. Thank you, guys. Have a good one. All right. Thanks. Thanks a lot. Thanks. Bye.